Hey, you, Prime members, you can listen to Three Little Words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because now, more than ever, we should all be thinking about the impact of the food that we eat. For every episode, Tony tells us a fact about Quorn. I do, John, and I've repeatedly told you that it's a quack. You don't seem to be taking that on board. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to march on, though. Making corn mince uses 90% less land and water than making beef mince. That's great for the environment. Yo, I haven't eaten meat for decades, and I remember when being a vegetarian or a vegan was pretty unusual. But now it's become much more mainstream because of the health and environmental benefits. So if cutting down on meat is something that you're looking to do, you'll find that corn's a great option. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Three Little Words. Today, our guest is somebody who I, I absolutely love and adore and as I've known for a long time, but not as long as uh, my co-host Tony oh. is known, which is very, very No, we've just got, we've just, um, well, there's some false mem- uh, memory syndrome. We've got things that we definitely did happen because I remember them, but there's a, a Chiswick incident that we need to look into. But yeah. <laughs> I've known our next guest for quite a while, I think. So, uh, for those people who've never heard it, what we do is we ask our guests to bring in three words that mean something to them that will provide us with a pathway through their mind and their life. And we talk through those three words that mean something and ask them for a word that they would like to never hear again. And our guest today is the presenter, broadcaster, gymnast... Polymath. Of the the past, uh, uh, you know, uh, a competitive gymnast and on Instagram now, still a competitive gymnast, Gabby Logan. (gasps) Hello. (laughs) I have to say, Gabby, (laughs) the the Instagram-y bit, you do post you doing stretches and stuff on Instagram that shows, if anyone did not know... That you you were a you know a top end gymnast. You couldn't start doing what you do on that now. Well, I think you can. I think if you start stretching now, you you would improve a lot. You know, if you carry on. But obviously, the one of the posts you're referring to, I did put myself doing splits the other day because Jesus. I'd done an interview mm. with a journalist and I said I'd still like to be able to do the splits when I'm sixty because I was talking about um, middle of life because I've yes. got a podcast myself called Midpoint. And she said, "Can you still do splits?" I said, "She said, do you think I can?" I said, "Well, I don't know what your flexibility is like, but if you start now and start." Well, Working on Never it, mind yeah. that. Do you think I can? Can you? Are you at all flexible? It, it's no. <laughs> no, I mean really, and I can't. I find it difficult to use my body that way. I've been around boxing and weights all my life, uh, and a bit of wrestling and stuff. And I find I, I need it. I, I, I do hot yoga in the house. I know I need it, and I know it's beneficial, but uh, it's one of those. I think it's probably ego. I'm so bad, and, and I know it's not important what others in the class can do, but I can't do it. And I can't stand it. 
It's, I think it probably says more about me. I tell you what, before we move on, I'm finding I've got a laugh in me, and the only way I'm going to get it out is a saying laugh. it out loud. A laugh in me, right? And the only way we can carry on is I've got to say it out loud. I can no, I, <laughs> I can only think of you now as Gabby Logan, past gymnast. <laughs> I never heard. I never. When he said it, when he said it, I saw, I saw lights going on. I thought, oh shit! Now that's how I'm going to think of you. I imagine some kind of Nadia Comaneci leotard and a pair yeah, of yeah, so did I. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. you know why I say that because <laughs> I, 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 you know, like, like you did compete in the Commonwealth Games. You, a you, long time ago. I know, but what I mean is, it, it's Gabby Logan, a gymnast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> Like a ghost. I was thinking of uh, the ghost. Uh, I, ghost. I yeah. love the idea of gymnasts from the first time. Like yeah. Victorian with gymnast, a big flowing dress and a hat the, on. Yeah. A big yeah. hat on. I'm a gymnast. I, you, I, I know when those things have been planted. I heard that go in, and that's not what that's going to stay in that now. That's in for the foreseeable. You know what? But you know why Gabby I Logan, say it? gymnast of the past. You know why I say it? It's, and it's one of the things about, about you, Gabby, because you're a broadcaster. And because you're a broadcaster across so many sports, um, and your appreciation of those sports, I think, can only come if you've competed at a high level. And you, you've always downplayed that. And it's not like, like like someone like, if you take Gary Lineker, comes across and he had a, a longer career as a footballer, and that's how he's known, then he, he becomes a broadcaster. You were, you were competing at an international level. Then you went off to everything else. Then you became a broadcaster. And I think people don't understand the subtlety that you that's necessary for it's, you to be successful. Say that, I spoke to somebody the other day about the relevance of my sport life to what I do now yeah. and and of course clearly doing rhythmic gymnastics at high level is not the same as playing football at high level or performing athletics at high level because they're completely different sports but the thing that I do appreciate is the training discipline. the injuries the discipline but I yeah. also I think the other experiences I've had from my dad being a footballer and mm. a football manager and my husband being a rugby player mm. are things like coming home from school and seeing the, my dad's car on the drive at three in the afternoon mm. which meant he got sacked you know that kind of experience yeah. like walking the drive and thinking uh oh because I knew it was coming but the fact he was home opening yeah. the front door yeah. and so as a child of a football manager whenever a football manager's on, job was on the line especially when I was doing shows that were kind of on every week like on the ball and you'd be talking flippantly about some his career and I'd think oh, there's a there's a couple of kids at home whose yeah. dad's going to be out of work or sure. or even like you know we talk about a player after a Six Nations match having a shocker and I think I, I was married to that man that had the shocker you know I went home when he missed four, four kicks out of six and, once you've you know, got a, a public platform in, across any you're fodder aren't you yeah and I just think there's that so having that kind of understanding as well as my own experiences in the sport you know um, I think means that you know, you can kind of be across a few other sports and it's not just about... I think it's passion as well, isn't it, for those... Yeah, you know, but, I, but I think that comes across and I think it comes across as well in your, the relationship that you have when I see you interviewing sports people because they know you've come from a sport and background. Yeah, yeah. And I think that... I, I just... I think it's... There's a subtlety in it, but it makes you 10% better than everyone else. And But that 10% is massive. Now, we have brought you in for three words. Before we do move on to your first word, I just want to clear up this bit about who's known you longer because I want to, <laughs> because we mentioned that right at the start and we and we we've teased them with the idea that uh, there was this mismemory. Can you just explain how you think you know Gabby 
Or, I, or? No, well, I don't... Okay, well, I, I, we're, we're using no, aren't we? And we don't really know each other. I, but, the, de- the story about the wedding photos is definitely true. Yes. So the, uh, yeah, the, the, I'll tell that's you, well, the story okay. I'm I, I tell you, well, for my... That's... Okay, <laughs> there, there is a bit... There's a missing bit here, and I think... Uh, one of my earliest memories of of Gabby was uh, was uh, the athlete of the past was when <laughs> a, mo- of a gymnast past. of the past was when a <laughs> mum came round on a horse and cart. <laughs> and we were in yeah, mum came round. Gabby's game. Yeah, mum came round. I remember being in the fl- in my flat. I'll, I'll tell this, but I don't mind. And the time that I was in this flat in Leeds, I'd left Emmerdale and I decided to smoke cannabis professionally. So that's what I was doing. And I remember a mum turning up and saying, um, "This flat smells. This flat reeks. Uh, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to buy it. This flat. Uh, I've got because uh, I'd been in a shop in Leeds with a friend of ours called Sally, and she'd said I'd like to have a look at her wedding photographs because Gabby's about to get married to Kenny, and we were thinking of using the photographer." So that's my so early memory. So you lent memory. your wedding photos to my mum? believe so. But then again, my memories are completely... I'm a, <laughs> I've been lying for 50 years, so I've no idea. I, remember, I, I, vaguely, I vaguely remember that, because my mum was trying to uh, kind of organise the wedding in Leeds that was happening in Scotland when she wasn't even asked to organise it. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'd already booked a photographer yeah. from London. It is Tony Pitts' wedding photographs. <laughs> she just yeah. wanted to see your wedding pictures, Tony. Yeah. She just yes. wanted to see what you look yeah, like. Yeah, so that's that's my... Yeah, so oh, I'd say, John, uh, you're not 2008, that, I think... I, I had John as a guest on a radio show in Liverpool in 2008, I think. So, yeah. (laughs) So, Gabby, we've brought you on uh, to bring three words with you. It's hard, it's hard. Yeah, it it, it is hard. Mm. Somebody asked me, a journalist asked me the other day when we were doing some promo for the show, what's your three words? And it it is difficult. Is it not what you leave out? I think the commonality I've found with people who've done the show, what they've found difficult is the words that they leave out because they all... But I also wanted to say this But it's almost knowing that you would contrive something by choosing those particular words and not wanting it to be so obvious why you've chosen those words you know so and then you start thinking too much about yeah. those words and it's so. also so I try as to be you say it's an evolving thing that's mm. you, could al- you could always as you say bring people back and do the same thing and it'd be different words so tell us your first word so the first word is serendipity serendipity mm. So I'll, what we always do, Gabby, I do the etymology and then quotes and yeah. definitions. So super quickly, the, the there's two fascinating things to me about serendipity. The first one is, we know when it was first used, and it was first used on the 28th of January, 1754. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it, the name is from Serendip, which is an old name for Ceylon, modern-day Sri Lanka. And it means dwelling place of Lion's Island. I'm sure he knew that, but that's why? It. Why yeah. was it used in 1754? So in 1754, uh, Horace Walpole, the Horace Walpole, wrote a letter on January the 28th, and which he said the three princes of Serendip were always making discoveries by accidents and sagacity oh. of things that they were not in quest of. And it, the the definition is a fact of finding interesting or valuable things by chance. So it's. I think it's the first occasion since we've been doing the show when you can actually pinpoint its first usage, and uh, and the story that's just right behind it. So why did you pick serendipity? I picked serendipity because I'm. 
I don't like it when people say, well, that's fate. Well, that's fate, right? Because I do think there is something about the universe and about our lives that we can't plan everything. We can't preordain it. You know, we d you can be as organised as you like. You can sit down and decide you're going to plan. And I hate the idea that people have, you know, kind of when they say to me, you've got a five-year plan, you know, because that's just, in my mind, a bit nonsense. Yeah. So while on the one hand, I kind of like don't like to say, well, it came down to fate. I do like the idea that things can happen by accident that you you know that you go on a path and a journey that you might feel like you're somebody that of course if you go and get educated you go and get a degree you go and do something vocational you've kind of started a path haven't you you yes. know what I mean and you've gone on this journey to go somewhere but I like the idea that the journey can change and things can happen because of uh, an outcome that you didn't foresee yes. and you know and for some some people a serendipitous event might be putting their hand in the pocket of their jeans and finding Find 20 quid you know yeah. that they they wore yesterday and other things it's relationships that can emerge or whether it's something beautiful like finding a medical breakthrough you know i, I you know in the world i was um, a long association with a charity called sparks which is a children's research charity and a lot of their major findings come out of serendipitous moments and there's one that always makes me cry so i'm going to tell it really quickly and it's about pain in babies premature babies and the thinking was for years that babies who were born premature didn't experience pain they would have up to 54 injections a day you know kind of taking blood and giving them things babies under the age of um, like 30 weeks and they were kind of like oh these babies don't cry you know they don't and what they realised a nurse actually kind of was the one that was documenting this realised that there was there was pain but they weren't expressing the pain until 31 weeks and so wow. they did a brainwave they did tests on their brainwaves they did other tests to realise we can't just keep giving these babies injections like this because actually the pain that they're absorbing will come out at trauma some point yeah, the life, trauma yes. will emerge yes, later and so it was a small piece of research which this nurse did which led to this huge, huge finding and the way premature babies were treated mm -hmm. afterwards and the kind of medicines that were administered mm -hmm. and so I've told it for the first time without crying that's a breakthrough well, so so things like that i just think that's a that's a really amazing serendipitous kind of you know kind of finding that the nurse you know was was kind of going hang on a minute there's you know this is i'm going to just put this forward and this person might then take this you know research on and they did and it led to all kinds of other research and that happens a lot i think in in science doesn't it that drugs end up coming out something that was trialed for cancer ends up being something yes. that helps oh, you yeah, know in yeah, yeah, other yeah. diseases and illnesses the, the the i was thinking about um because it's a happy accident and it also it speaks to the thousand other lives that we could lead every day i was talking about this the other day that that idea you can walk out of here and Speak to somebody in a coffee shop who I then go on to know for the rest of my life yeah. and has a huge, it's, it's a huge, a impact, huge impact and importance for it. And, you know, and, and, and if uh, I'd have been rattling on for another two minutes, I'm going to miss them. Exactly. And I, I met a guy at um, uh, a New Year's Eve party in my gap year of university who was the boss of a radio station in Newcastle. And I said to him, I, when I go to, oh, no, I didn't even say that. Actually, I said, I'd like to work in broadcasting. And he said, when you come to Durham, he said, come and see me. And and, and he couldn't get rid of me quick, you know, he was, I was, you know, and I wasn't bothering him for a job because I didn't kind of know, you know, yes. what that was. It really, and realistically, that relationship ended up, because I went and saw him the minute I arrived in Durham and he gave me an opportunity. You know, I started reading the news and I started doing shows then I started doing football um, interviews and then Sky spotted me. That 
two minute chat really led to my career everything yeah that without that i'm not sure how, where i would have got into this profession so, yeah. so uh, that was a serendipitous meeting wasn't it yeah and absolutely it, and it might it was, not have yeah. happened you know well, we might well, not... uh, throughout your life then are the other points that's a obviously a big one of mm. the other points yeah. where you go wow that definitely changed me well i think the one another massive one would be the night i met my husband i was leaving a friend's party in london and um with another girlfriend who lived near me in chiswick and we were sharing a cab and as we drove past there's a there was a bar called the k bar in fulham and as we drove past it was 10 to 2 in the morning closed at 2 and she said oh let's just have one more drink let's just pop in and have one drink and i was like oh come on you know get to the door the bouncer said look it's 10 to 2 what are you doing girls on you go you know like he was trying to get rid of us and a friend of mine walked past the bouncer and said oh let them in and he was quite a bit of a big hitter and so the bouncer moved aside and we went in and we would have been in for 10 minutes and within that 10 minutes Kenny came over yeah. and started chatting to me and yeah. the next thing we went over to this 24-hour cafe across the road and we sat there till about five in the morning chatting we could have driven past the bar we could have not gone you know yes of course three barriers of course. to entry yeah, yeah. almost you know did, and so did, you kind of did, think why and we had this massive world in common you know we had all these people that we knew but we'd never met do, do, do you think that because uh, i feel that um the idea of planning anything to me much to everybody's intense annoyance is insane it's just the idea of I'm going to be doing. That. People say, "What? What's your plans for next year? What's your well? Uh, that's a ludicrous way of looking." I start at trying to answer those questions as if I've got a plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because I expect it. Well, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of go, "Oh, you." you it's more comforting. It's it's comforting psychologically the idea of us and saying, "What are you doing for Christmas? What are you doing for what? What are you planning yeah. to do?" What you, I think that's a of comfort to us. Uh, psychological really I, I, I think as in sport as well I do know well I say I know we don't know anything do we with no. what's going on but I'm supposed to have an Olympic Games next year yeah. I'm supposed but to have yeah, I was going to say no. when you were saying that particularly from your point of view and, and the, where you've achieved to in your career you are associated now with events that take up blocks of time yes. mm. so, so that idea of you now having a serendipitous moment that would lead you in a different direction has changed obviously as it does as you get older because you've got responsibilities you've got kids you've been married 20 years and, and all of that stuff so th those life changes so kind the, of get fewer, reduced yeah. because you, yes. you yeah. can't go in another direction and also when you have kids as you know and you know you, you basically you start kind of when, as soon as they go to school your life is, is dictated to almost yeah. by yes. the state you know because you can't go on holiday then and you can't yeah. go do this those random kind of like let's just do something you yes. know like I did when I was single without kids I'd wake up in the morning and think I'm going to see if there's a flight to Newcastle and go watch Newcastle and United I, I'm going to go and you know I did those things <laughs> which is brilliant and that's the, that's the crazy thing because I got married younger and, and, and I, I was always, I was quite, I, I think, serious and I just wanted to get on and get on. So I, I removed a lot of those randomness, randomness mm. out of my life. And I, and I find it sometimes, I look at people and think, wow, that's a great thing. And then, and then you become a parent and you get into your kids and you're going, come on, what's your plan? And what's I'm saying, what am yeah. I saying? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because what I should be saying is, yeah. you know, when I was your age, I wish someone had said, don't have a plan. Yeah. You'll be it'll all, all right. It'll all be all right. It'll all have, be, a, it'll, have a couple yeah. of years and it'll be all right. <laughs> that was a brilliant first word that took us all over the place and, <laughs> and, and interesting and made everybody think probably of those life chances that have you know, took them down one path to another. Mm -hmm. What's your second word? Second word is 
dynamic or dynamism. Um, right. I, I I wrote dynamic, but I was you know okay thinking about dynamism generally. So so okay. dynamic uh, is from the Greek dy- dynamikos. That's, uh, I should have rehearsed that. Uh, meaning powerful from dynamis, meaning power. From dynasty, it's to be able to have power, to be strong enough. Uh, and it, it's the opposite of static. Uh, the definition of it is full of energy, changing, relating to movement. Uh, and one quote that I liked was, uh, sometimes one creates a dynamic impression by saying something. Sometimes one creates an impression by remaining silent. Hmm. Dynamic. Now, that's interesting because to me, particularly in athletics, where there's dynamic performances, you know, like a hundred meter blast mm. and everything. That that I, I can see that dynamism in sport. Mm. But why did you pick it as as a word? Was it related to that? Or? Yeah, it was related to sport um, because um, I, you know, I I think I'm, my life is fairly entrenched in sport or at least part of my life's entrenched in sport and I think I was thinking about athletic performances and thinking about people that I admire and and what is it about them it's that dynamism and it doesn't necessarily mean just their performance on the field of play but what it takes to be brilliant at sport is is being dynamic you know and you have to keep moving you have to keep pushing your performances you have to keep you never settle and that's and that's why a lot of sports people I think have maybe struggled a bit with their mental health and struggle a bit you know with that inner peace because you you never you can't settle you know you can't just think that performance was good enough enough, you have to keep moving and so it's finding that balance within themselves where they can reach some kind of peace you know that they that they realize there's the physical part of them has to keep moving but you know they don't have to kind of there are certain sports people I can think of who found that more challenging than others you know to get that mental happiness as well to enjoy the moment you know as well as which is Kenny said the other day something about I wish I'd enjoyed the moment more and I said but you couldn't you no. weren't allowed to you know I said if you'd enjoyed the moment you'd have stopped that's that's kind of what sport is you that's know that's exactly right yeah and the opposite of static yeah that's what dynamism is the yeah. opposite of static you and can only look yeah, back and enjoy can, sport that's right but, but it's Outside of sport. So outside of sport, I I think I, I think we live in a world now which is so you know things are, are, are changing all the time. They're so different to kind of how we perhaps envisaged our you know our future a few years ago. We wouldn't have seen this world that we're living in now. We walk out on no. the street here, everybody's right. in masks and we're sanitized. You know, it's suddenly become quite dystopian, hasn't it? And mm. it's all. Um, it can be quite scary for people to you know to not know what's what's going on. And actually, we can't just stop. And accept this, you know. We ha- we have to keep moving. We have to keep looking for people to be powerful and make the right decisions. And to you know, we can't just. I think there's, you know, if we ha- if we're apathetic about this, we 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 risk go- almost going backwards in our you know. Oh, I uh, think uh, as yeah. humans, you know, we, oh, so, thousand percent. So right. so I think it applies to so many different you know to be dynamic in a way it kind of like contradicts what i say about serendipity that you kind of see things coming that you know you didn't perhaps plan but actually to be dynamic doesn't necessarily deny that you believe in serendipitous moments no. it just is in, a spite, way- in spite of in spite of that we, the momentum has to be forward yeah. yeah and it's about keep keeping going absolutely basically. yeah absolutely mm. Mm. and is that how you you see life that, yeah, that. I think there've been a series of things that have happened in our lives, my life. That um, you know, my my brother dying at a very young age. You know, I was nineteen, he was fifteen, and for example, that was a moment where you know 
I, I saw how you know powerful you know that can be so my, my parents both reacted very differently and how you have to keep going you know and for the for, if you if you stop what's what's what are you going to do but but in those moments like now because we have such a a, a greater emphasis on mental health and also an awareness of it it kind of enables people or empowers people in those situations where you were then you, you know you were 19 if that happened now someone would sit you down cancel you and say right don't move forward sit in your grief grief's not a bad thing if you move on too quick you mm. might carry it with you I wanna, yeah i want to say move on i don't mean don't grieve but i i i mean it's it's you might be moving on to find a counselor yeah, might yeah. Be, that energy might be taking you to find somebody you know my my dad didn't want to speak to people he wanted to keep going with his work but he didn't want to speak to people he didn't want to you know he didn't want to address those situations so actually moving forwards doesn't mean no, ignoring means, the past no, yeah. not holding i think it means in yeah. that sense it means it doesn't it means n- n- not holding so you've always struck me as a very strong person and a very positive person like everybody else there's been pressures and trials and you know points in your life where it must have been very difficult did that positivity which i see as a result of your dynamic approach to life was that always there or have there been moments where you've got stuck and thought how do i how do how do where's my zest gone um in in kind of micro uh areas you know i wouldn't say anywhere that i really felt sticky for a long period of time i think i found the few years kind of after my brother died and I was transitioning from being a student to going into the real world, you know, and career wise on the, if you looked at, if you put it all on a whiteboard, you think, gosh, that's an amazing trajectory and you've done. But I think personally, I was, I was at risk of probably being attracted to people who, whether it was in relationships or friendships who, who were needing rescuing almost, you know yes. what I mean? And I was trying to be the rescuer. Yes. And I was trying to, and that was making me feel, you know, pretty f- like a failure because I wasn't rescuing. Well, that know? was my point because I think you've got a fixer element to you. And sometimes you, it's took me a lot longer than it seems to have taken you to realise you're not someone's the, yeah. fixer. You can be someone's friend, you can mm. be someone's ear, you can love them, you can support them. You can't fix them. So stop trying to set a, an agenda mm. and a pace that they're not ready to go at. Yeah. I think it is, uh, it's like a relief when you realise that you don't have to be the fixer and you can offer empathy and support and kindness without having to see the project through to its bitter conclusion. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I was, uh, how it was damaging me was just my own kind of self-worth was getting tied I, up. I was going to say what's the motive, because I, I, I think the, the people's motivation for fixing is uh, often a mystery to them. They would, they'd, uh, they'd made saying that well, I think uh, my brother had died. And I think I thought, yeah. well, gosh, I, you know, I, I've seen the light, you know, I've got this kind of like insight now into, you know, life and death. And I'm going to, I'm going to try and make sure people live their best life. There was this, you know, mental carpe diem type kind of, you know, attitude when I went to university and I, I recalled it the other day when I was writing something in, th- in a book I'm writing in the moment, but I remember walking along the towpath in Durham and seeing these two kids smoking. <laughs> and I was, I was like 19, you know, first year university. And I, said what are you that's what you're doing and they went 
what, what are you on about? We're, we're smoking. And I was like, you're 14. I said, you'd be at school and what, you, you've got your lives in front of you. I gave them this big lecture <laughs> about, yeah. and, uh, and they just laughed at me. Yeah. And I said, listen, I said, this summer my brother died. He was 15. He was a year older than you and he was a brilliant footballer and he was going to play for Leeds United and his future's gone. I said, you've still got a future. And one of them kind of like was a bit more taken aback yes. and was slightly, you know, kind yes. of, and, um, and I walked off kind of going, yeah, I've told them. <laughs> and about, about a week later thinking, you idiot. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing but I think there was a bit of me that wanted that was a very small no, kind really of example of like how I felt like and it, it was dangerous because in, in my first year I was a bit like oh but people get upset about things like my room at university is not good enough and I need to and I'd be thinking oh for god's sake that's not worth getting upset about and I thought you know this is actually after a year I thought you know you're not Yoda you know what I mean you can't go around yeah. kind of like just telling everybody that what's important and what's not important and you know actually they have to realise but it's an, understa- an entirely understandable response to something yeah. so huge. I mean, it's an entirely uh, because it's about ordering things. Mm. It's about retaining, uh, about uh, removing the, that chaos and mm. and order. And I think that, that uh, yeah, I think I think that's a perfectly understandable response because to have because what you're saying to those have have more care. Uh, it's this is more fragile than you realise. Mm. And to have that knowledge at nine, because we had no knowledge, we no, had, no. we had no warning. No. So when my brother died the day before, that the morning of his death, he was the healthiest fifteen-year-old you'd ever meet, you know. And he played eighteen holes of golf with my dad and had a great day, and then he died, you know. So the, we had no preparation for that. So it was that kind of, and I'd never thought about or read anything that was kind of like, oh, by the way, life can just slip out your fingers just, with that, you know. Oh. I'd never explored those kind of philosophies or thought about kind of how fragile we are because obviously I was 19 and yes, you know I live forever and I'm you know I'm I'm robust so it was me saying to those kids guys this can happen you know? yeah, yeah. and obviously they didn't want to hear it uh, but, uh, yeah, but uh, you know what Gabby you have no idea what impact that might have had on them no you know I mean? no you don't you don't and I think that you know and I'm not saying you know people should go around <laughs> being older but sometimes a, a word sometimes yeah. Uh, uh, if you see life through a different filter because of an experience mm. like that with sudden death of a brother of 15 years of age and you do not at some stage turn around to people and go by the way all of this can go in a second mm. you'd be you, you would be yourself mad you, you, yeah. uh, it's, it's a there's such a shock to the system that that is for a developing young adult mm. that I would be amazed if it hadn't adopted that attitude the other part of me was um, that I ended up seeing, um, a, she was an acupuncturist, but really a, a therapist, was because I was also, part of me was like that. And then the other part of me was like, well, life is going to deliver loads of shit stuff because mm. this has happened. And now there's going to be loads of other stuff coming. And oh, I really God. felt like everything was, all, you know, there was this voice going, well, this is going to went badly. This is, you mm. know, this person could leave you. This person might that not love attachment. you. Attachment. This, you know, so, yes. this, so there was part of me doing this to myself as well. And that's where I had to, and the, she looked at me in the eye one day and she, and this is not true because obviously anything can happen at any time, but she looked at me, she just went, your bad stuff's happened. You know, and so, the worst of yeah, to make me kind of, actually I can go forwards, yeah. releasing that idea that, I'm going to step out of here today and, you know, I'm going to be run over or I'm, that can happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and yeah. it could happen, but I can't think that every day. Yeah, but there's knowing, there's knowing and knowing and life teaches you how to live it. So you knew something at 19 that I know sitting here at 58, but I don't know it the way you know it. Mm. 
Interesting two words. Mm. So this third word better be good. Sausage, please. <laughs> hopefully, it's a bit, hopefully it's a bit more fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but you know what? These things are dead. I, I, that's why I love this, because it can go either way. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. But if you, if, yo, and yeah, people can do things for fun, but, but, but what you're saying and what you're doing, I think is, is really, well, it's making me think anyway. I think it's, I think that they've been great words. Well, the third so. word, you've actually said, both of you, we said it quite a lot earlier on, and mm. it has two meanings, um, and it's flexible. And um, oh, flexible, flexible. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's flexible and no. then say the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it is flexible, flexible, which is flexible in itself. Um, and I don't know what I, I was again. Like I said to you before, I could have come up with three different words on th- a diff- another day. But I think the reason I chose this because uh, it has a very strong link to my past as a gymnast. My what was it? Well, you were gymnast it. from the past. Uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Being flexible and being physically fit and flexible is one thing, but also being flexible in life. You know and being able to make decisions and change. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. No, it's all right. It's all right. So I just, uh, there's, there's, there's not loads. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Etymology is from Latin flexibilis, meaning that that which may be bent, pliant or yielding. Just on the back of that, because it would be re- really remiss of me. I think that when people bring in words, they don't really understand the weight of the words and still we start talking to them mm. and they reveal themselves and what might feel like an arbitrary or some or a word that you've chosen that you think expresses one thing as you bear down to it it actually reveals much much more which is why i think the uh, the format uh, works. The format works. <laughs> definition <laughs> definition to our sponsors uh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> the definition is able to change or to be changed bend or bent easily according to the situation uh, and one quote uh, Latsu said nothing is softer or more flexible than water yet nothing can resist it which I think is an interesting yeah because one of those definitions implies that if you're flexible somehow you're easily manipulated and you're malleable and you're, you're turn, you'll turn you mm. know uh, because that's where the sun is or you'll turn yes. because that's you know that's how you um, today so I feel like so rather than yeah. strength so, and I, but I feel flexibility is a strength because I think if you if you're so set in one mindset or you're so set in one doctrine and dogma you know it's very hard isn't it to you miss all the colours yeah. yeah you miss and, all the colours and so I, I feel flexible being flexible as a person 
is life enhancing mm. and also um, it's something as you get older I think you'll be more aware of because I think we we're all guilty of having echo chambers whether it's our social media or the people that we surround us you know yes, I think, opinions I wouldn't think like that but yes. you know and actually to consciously say I need to hear what they have to say because a lot of people seem to agree with them so what is it that I'm missing or what is it that I you know need to try and understand about those people and so I've, I've noticed in the last few years that I've probably become more flexible in, in my thinking you know and trying to think outside of what I would normally see well what, give us an example um thinking that you have one idea about how you know the world should should be. look yeah and yes. this is how we should all we should behave like this yes, and this yes. is what yeah and then listening to say even my teenagers and people that they follow on social media or people they hear and why is it that that person appeals to you and then it might not be that i then agree with that but i just need to understand a bit more about that so um and you know you're brought up one way I was brought up in quite a conservative household um, working class conservatives you know my mum thought Margaret Thatcher was amazing mm -hmm. because here was a woman who came from the similar background to her you know her mum was a cafe um, owner yes. and her dad was a bookmaker this is my mum Margaret Thatcher's mum was a you know they owned a corner shop and mm. so and she went to grammar school too and you know and so my mum and my granny I remember them like thinking she was amazing because she was she was kind of getting out there and she was giving opportunity to working class people like them my dad's family were diehard labour mirror reading you know kind of very much entrenched in that political spectrum but my mum kind of influenced my dad more I think because yes. when he started earning money as a footballer it was all about kind of like well you'll pay more tax and you know this is what you know and so um, I kind of grew up with their um, their thinking that you know a free market and you know I mean they didn't express it and they didn't talk about Adam Smith around the dinner table but yeah. they you know they talked about wanting flexibility in the economy and things like that and, and so then I did economics and politics at A level and went to university and um, and I was still kind of of that, you know, I've been brought up in that mindset. And I think and then I, when I left university, I started kind of reading more and opening my mind a bit more, ironically, after university to, to, the, to the kind of ideas about where my dad was from and yes. his upbringing. And, and I've definitely moved, you know, a lot more over towards the left as I've got older which is that's interesting it, which you've you're done, supposed to you've go done, the other way the opposite. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you've become more flexible and gone to the left so is politics important here yes it is sorry let me yes it is yeah yeah I think it is and, and do you feel because you have a public persona in an apolitical environment with sport that it's not a thing people expect you to have an opinion on yeah, I mean, you see it all the time with somebody like Gary Lineker, don't you, who's constantly told that, you know, he can't express his opinion. Now, there's two things going on there, obviously. There's the, the public service broadcaster, you know, that. but Gary's job is to talk about sport. If Gary yeah. was the newsreader and he was expressing opinions on, you know, policy or, you know, just... Actually, most of his opinions are kind of more humanitarian, really. Yeah, they're yeah. not... I wouldn't say they're but, party political. Yeah, but, that's down to perception. Yeah, but it's exactly... It's down to what your political yes. persuasion is to yes. how you view those. Yes. But, um, but I, you know, I don't, I don't get asked a lot about it. You know, it's something interesting. People kind of almost don't think that you think about it. Of course, I talk to yeah, my friends course, about yeah. it all the time. And my kids are very... Um, we have a lot of conversations at home because I listen to too much speech radio, I think, and, you know, they hear things all the time. But, um, but growing up, as I say, was quite interesting you know you're brought up you can see how people do get entrenched when you're brought up with a 
an, a, this is the ideal you know what i mean yes. this is this is how we think here would you like from your career perspective would you like that to be some uh, something that you you're given a I was going to say platform. That's not the right the right way, but but something that you engage in more. It was what you did in your degree. Yeah. No, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be a politician. But I no, think. You, but I mean, as a journalist. Um. As I think, a broadcaster. I think that probably that ship sailed now. But I I think I can um I can do things that I enjoy um in my career that relate to politics, if mm. you like, you know, and even just things like like last year I was. Uh, award an MBE and I didn't know what it was for originally and actually one of the reasons because they actually write down what it's for was for promotion of women in sport yeah and that, 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 about that's political isn't it you know and well, so I, I guess I w- that's exactly that was my next point not only about the MBE because I have you in my phone Gabby Logan MBE. <laughs> I, of I, the past yeah <laughs> But yeah, it used to be that bendy. Gabby yeah. Logan MBA. Yeah, yeah. No, so I got Gabby Logan MBA in my phone, which is a great honor, great, the great thing to you, for you to to have. And when it when it comes out, one of the things that it says was promoting women in sport, and and I know you've been active in that, and I know you've had occasions where you've needed to stand up for yourself. Do you feel that that's number one appropriate in terms of? You know, when you look at the reasons you've been recognised, did you recognise in yourself that you were an advocate? No, I, I, do you know what I assumed when I got the kind of call from the Home Office? I thought it would be because I'd done lots of stuff with different charities over the years, yeah. and I thought it was to do with charity stuff. And I was actually more delighted that it was to do with that because I've done it not because I've a sense of obligation or a sense that I kind of like, I, just because it was right, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'd find it very hard to argue against the other way and say it's wrong because actually for me sport is so much more than just what happens on the field of play you know it's often a microcosm of kind of societal attitudes you look at kind of like football always has a spotlight shone on it in terms of things like homophobia and in terms of racism quite rightly but they're only what happened were happening in yes, people's houses all around the country you know course. somebody the other day said to me a journalist said to me do you feel that you can't really be associated with football sometimes because it's got such na- negative overtones and I said do you honestly think that the, those expressions yeah. of opinion only happen in football yeah, the, the, you know? that somehow sport happens in isolation yeah but well, that's that's kind of the go home and they're not that, racist anymore that's one of the functions of sport though is it not it's 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 powerful yes and it has a powerful it's, it's powerful, powerful a communicator and and so if you're communicating that only men can do something <laughs> then that's not great for the rest of society is it so my philosophy if you like about women in sport is not because I think that the women's world cup sh- should be on because every child in this country every girl should be a footballer it's because every girl should see women doing things that they previously thought maybe yeah, for men, well, the, you know? the, this is it the last you know the women's world cup was well covered yeah you know it's now not uncommon to see you know any premier league f- footage and uh, coverage where mm-hmm. there's a woman presenter involved somewhere or, or on the panel or, or commenting it's filtering through and hopefully it has changed the landscape but for you, when you first came into into sports journalism, were you coming into a male-dominated world where that the way we are now mm. must seem unrecognisable? Oh, totally. It's. I mean, when I first started at Sky, well, I started in local radio doing the interviews at St James's Park, 
no women worked in that sports department. You know, you can imagine in Newcastle in nineteen. Yes. But that, but they were lovely guys who wanted me to work with them. So it, it never felt like I was banging down a door. You know, that I've and sometimes I felt a bit guilty about that. Almost that people would say, "Was it really?" Well, no, I got the door opened. You know, they said, "Actually, we, would you like to do the interviews for us on Saturday?" Yeah. And then when I went to Sky, there was slightly different attitude at Sky because I think um, there weren't many. Well, there weren't any women doing things like editing the shows, directing mm. the shows. You know, there were no women in positions of power or responsibility and so um that changed obviously over time but um again it didn't feel like a hostile atmosphere you know it didn't feel like i was in somewhere that i you know every day i was stealing myself to go into work and having to put on a brave jacket yeah yeah. um but but then over the years now with the situation with bbc where regularly match of the day would be directed by a woman produced Mm. by a woman with a woman on you know so there are women all over the place working on the you know working on the shows which is how it should be and that doesn't mean to say that it should be 50 50 it doesn't mean to say that but it should be opportunities and pathways there if you want to do it you know so um i think that part of it is really important to me right this okay well, well it's a huge question and it might it might just uh, 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 leave the clicking or it won't do you feel that you've had a choice in who you are i know i know what you mean by that question in the sense that um i feel uh, there have been times in my life where i felt i couldn't change direction massively because I was on this path where I had a responsibility. So, yes, because we've all got free will, we can do what we want. So ultimately, I, you know, I could have decided to come off that path. But I think there was always a momentum and an energy yes. that had no kind of compelled me almost to keep going. But can I ask you what the responsibility was? I think when, I, when, when you start being told by people that you're a pioneer and you're the first person to do this and you've you know first person to present football and at that point you know could i have just got off and said well i'll leave it to somebody else now you know i was in my early 30s and um there was always like i did when i did strictly and i did some i did this stand-up thing for comic relief and i thought i love this i love you know i used to perform a bit at university like you know plays and things like i love this this is where i'd really like to be i was in my early 30s could I at that point have got off the sports kind of journey, you know, and just changed direction? Well, yeah, I, in theory I could, but there was a, a responsibility I felt to keep going and to keep trying to kind of be, you know... Well, could, on that, then, could, are you proud of yourself? Um, no. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Are you a mystery to yourself? <laughs> a mystery? To yourself. Um... I, w- I wouldn't have ever expressed it as that a mystery to myself. What does what what do you mean by that? Well, because you're a pioneer and you've done a lot, you've done extraordinary so, things. So, I, c- can I work out why I did that? Do you, do you reflect? Do you do you uh, do you have the capacity to see yourself as others do? No. And and, and repeatedly you've been told you're the first to do this, you're first to do that, you're this, you're this, you're this, this, this. And I wondered if when you close your eyes at night all that was comfortable and made sense to you and of course or I wondered if there was 
a bit of thinking, well, why is it me that's this way? What's my, if, if it was... Some, Which sounds like a kind of imposter syndrome. Uh, the, uh, imposter like si- uh, yeah, imposter syndrome, I think, that's all class thing. Well, like, I, think, but, I think when it comes to the kind of like being the first, I think I kind of felt like I was in the right place at the right time with the right energy. And it could have been... No, you see, you come right back uh, to where uh, one serendipity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, so, but that's yeah. but that is serendipitous, isn't uh, it? No, 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 it's no, 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 because, because it's, you've got to be but, there to receive. Yeah, but I, my my mum could have been there; she wouldn't have done it. But this is the point. Your three words are are so interlinked mm. because it's serendipity that you're going. Oh, things just happen because you happen to be there. But you have the dynamism to make it into something and the flexibility to see the opportunity. Well, that's why I asked the question because I. I, I had exactly all that rushed into me and I thought I wonder because that's exactly my thought process when I was asking you if you missed it I thought I wonder if you know that's why that's the one thing with you I think that when I said are you proud of yourself you immediately went no almost before I ended the sentence because you don't allow yourself to be proud of yourself and what you've done is amazing amazing I, I, I don't I just no, of course you don't. You, but you couldn't do it if you did. I, I, I mean, saying the special ones that I know that have been around, they, they can't See, when know. I was at university and I thought of pursuing the law, I was inspired by um, a distant kind of relation by marriage who was on my reading list. He was a human rights barrister for Amnesty International. And I thought that's the way that I would, you know, that would be really interesting. Yes. And so there's always in the back of my mind Not good it, yeah. a bit of me could that feels, that. well, that would be yeah. the real, yes. that would be the really impressive thing to do. Wouldn't yeah. it? That would be the really yeah. amazing thing to achieve. So I think, and, and, and I, you know, when I'm kind of being a little bit facetious, you know, I, I, I read out football scores. <laughs> so I kind of go, yeah, I just read out football scores. And so Undermine that's, yourself. Yeah, yeah because but, it's kind of yeah. But easier. it's also, it is that thing uh, where, you're you're on screen and it's the it's the subtleness of it it's the subtleness of it it's this whole thing that we have now with the BAME community and get more people on screen with the BAME community it's not what they're doing it's not what they're presenting it's the subtlety of it Mm. that children see that Mm -hmm. the barrier's gone and with you being the first one to go in such a male-dominated environment and 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 it's changed that you've been a pioneer and have changed whether you felt like you were changing it or not, whether you recognised you were changing it or not. And, you know, the whole thing with the women in football organisation you've been involved in, there's a point where what is now normal today mm. became normal because of you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that must have occurred to you, right? But not, no, no, because you don't sit no, down, do no, you, and that's, say, no, I'm, that's, that's you know... Um, yeah. yeah, and also... Yeah. You know, I, I the only the only thought process I would have that would be skirt alongside that would be I when my brother died, I definitely had a sense of I have to have a purpose. And so I didn't know what that purpose was, but I felt like I had to have purpose in what I did, which goes back to dynamism, I guess. Yeah, and, it's an ep- epiphany. You know, That's why I said it's something you learned at 19. It's an epiphany. Mm. Gabby Logan, right. a word, a wow. word, wow. no, a word. And we haven't yeah. even talked about the splits. So Gabby, no. Gabby, well, you're, you're not as shallow as yeah. that. No. Gabby, so. Gabby Logan, the Rosa Parks of sports broadcasting. <laughs> so we so come to now. We've come to the conclusion. We need one word from you. Oh, it's very easy. Great. Well, I never want to hear this word ever again because there are no positive connotations to this word. Pandemic. Pandemic. Oh. 
because it, you there's no, I, I check there the are. meaning. Well, there are, there are because a pandemic is a global it's, it's a global spread of a disease. Yes, one of the um, have you seen um, Extinction David Attenborough yeah. documentary mm. and um, one of the powerful messages that they kept playing through that documentary was about disturbing ecosystems and how if we keep disturbing ecosystems we mm. are going to get more diseases we're not supposed to have mm. that hide in these ecosystems yeah, yeah. and i and, and the way that they they made it very clever because they they just kept that message kept coming out like it didn't just say it once you know it's a bit like the format mm. for, a, for a for a soap opera yes. you know they do the same storyline yes, yeah. and um and that really hit me that actually if we learn from this you know we don't have to have any more pandemics and i'd like to think we could tony and john have achieved some kind of sense of balance and you know people are recalibrating their lives you know and are there serendipitous things that are going to come from this of course there are gabby as always <laughs> It's oh, guys, been it's been, it's been time, yeah. a very enlightening and um, surprising. A, yeah, a bit watery-eyed. Hour so. I yeah, I, I, I had to steal yeah. myself a few times good. there. Because, I think that's yeah, good. I think that you. we've said something worthwhile. Then. When's my next appointment? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we do four o'clock. <laughs> Gabby, I love you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, thank, thank you, guys. You, thank you. Well, Tony, I thought that was a great show. Um, I mean, I love Gabby as a friend and a person, so it's just great being in her company. But it was uh, that was a real, I don't know, real revelation. It's a strange one to me. So we touched it because I said I've known her for um, what well, it must be thirty years since I first met her. And like a lot of uh, people in your life, you say, oh, I know her, I know him, I know her. And actually, I realised over the course of that that I actually didn't. And I, I think I've kind of projected ideas onto her. Uh, um, I think uh, if, I was to, to, if I was to pick one word that I'd try to encompass it, it'd be impressive. She's very impressive. Yeah. You meet her and you're impressed by her whole demeanour. I, I, think, I think even without the knowledge of her achievements and the, the strides that she's made... She's still got that thing, that je ne sais quoi. There's something about her. If she had a thousand lives, she'd have been something quite spectacular in all of them. Wouldn't disagree. I hope that you enjoyed that episode of Three Little Words as much as we did. I absolutely love doing this show with Tony and the guests have been brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, leave us a review, recommend us to any of your friends. And it just remains for me to say also thank you to our sponsor, Quorn. Super protein, super tasty. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books. Enhance your listening experience with Wondry Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or on Apple Podcasts.